Well, I, I had a, a good friend in high school. Uh, his name was Matt. And he had an older brother who was in college when we were in high school. And he was, in our view, a pretty sophisticated music guy. He, he liked Elvis Costello before, you know, Elvis Costello was a big deal. He had Springsteen records and I, and I didn't know anything about Springsteen. And uh, I, I would go over to my buddy's house after school and, and we would listen to, you know, uh, this Bruce Springsteen guy. And, you know, I'm from a, an old city um, where there's not a lot of opportunity. And listening to Bruce you know, talk about, um, you know, wanting to get out of his town and, and strike out on his own and, you know, being born to run and stuff like that, that, you know, that, that kind of spoke to me that, you know, I, 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 I never thought my future was going to be in my hometown. Yeah. So I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what it would be. I was a little worried sometimes that maybe I'd be stuck in my hometown. Um, so that, you know, that resonated with me, those themes. And, um, he, you know, I, I really liked, um, you know, whether it was like Jackson Brown, uh, Warren Zevon, guys who were songwriters. And here was Bruce, who's sort of like a, a songwriter, but with more of an edge, with a, a bigger sound, a guitar-driven sound. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. Joining me is one of my new online friends, Pete Abraham. Pete, welcome to the show. Hey, Jesse. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So uh, give us your elevator pitch. Tell my audience a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm uh, I'm a native of the Boston area, and uh, I've worked in newspapers my whole life. I, I covered the University of Connecticut basketball team for a while when I got out of college. I moved to New York and covered the Mets and the Yankees uh, for a paper in uh, suburban Westchester County. And since 2010, I've been at the Boston Globe covering the Red Sox. So um, I travel a lot. Uh, mostly for baseball games and to see our friend, Mr. Springsteen. <laughs> so Pete, have you been able to travel over these past two seasons with the pandemic? Uh, how's that been affecting you? Yeah, last year, you know, they only played a, a 60 game season and right. travel was, was pretty sketchy. So we, I think I only did, I think six road games. We went to New yeah. York. Uh, we didn't want to, we didn't want to fly. That, that seemed a little too risky. Yeah. Uh, so I, dro- I drove to New York for one series. I drove up to Buffalo where Toronto was playing for another series. And this year we've, I've traveled to all the road games. Uh, okay. It was, hasn't been as much fun as it used to be, but, you know, work is work and you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, I would think it is uh, a little bit weird. Um, we were able to um, last season, the the Rangers had the new ballpark that no mm-hmm. one could go see. Then they opened it up for the playoffs. So, this year, uh, my son and I, my brother-in-law, and you know, just a bunch of us all went uh, and got to see the new uh, stadium. I, I, I love the air conditioning. I don't love it as much as I did the ballpark at Arlington. Um, just I love that field, but it is nice to have the covered air conditioning in the Texas heat. Yeah, they had the World Series there last year, and it was yeah. very strange because. 
I think there were only other than the writers for the Dodgers and the yeah. and the Rays. Yeah, there were only twelve national writers there. I was one of them. It was kind oh, of strange really? to have such a small contingent of um, of writers for the World Series. Because usually yeah. there's there's several hundred of us, you know. Sure. And yeah, there was a very small amount. Uh, so so few of us that. Uh, the commissioner actually thanked us for being there, which that's that's never happened before. Yeah, so. <laughs> that is nice. Uh, what yeah. were your thoughts of the the new stadium? Uh, it sure is big. Um, There's yeah. a lot of room to walk around, and I, I like that they have um, sort of non traditional places to watch the game. You can you can stand up in certain spots or yeah. have a you know sort of seat at like a counter or uh, you know bar stools, and yeah, they have you know they have the regular seats and everything. But you could you could spend you know, good part of the game is walking around and stopping at different places. It's pretty, uh, I like the concept. It's good. Uh, I went to plenty of games at the old park and I yeah. gotta tell you, there, there were some days we were out there watching batting practice on the field and you know, you were like, well, I, I might have to go back inside cause I'm going to pass out. Like it, it was, especially on the field because the, yeah. the heat was kind of directed yes. downward. You know, it was boy, it was pretty miserable on the field. So, so and, and I promise listeners we'll get to Springsteen in a minute, but, um, I, I remember there was one July day game that we, we had bought a mini ticket plan. So it was my brother-in-law, Clayton, my son and I all there. And we were, um, I guess, a left field upper bleacher. So the sun is, there's no shade it's yeah, just yeah. hitting us, you know, and, um, and it, we were, it was down to the last strike and I looked over to my brother-in-law and I said, Clayton, that batter might have swing. He's he needs to swing no matter what, because I don't care where that pitch is. That umpire is calling this a strike. <laughs> you know, because it was just miserable. And sure enough, you know, you 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 hear strike three out. And the batter goes to argue and then it's already gone i mean he's already you know oh, yeah. gone. yeah like nope nope this thing has been it's you know it's 100 degrees out it is just crazy so yeah, yeah. well um let's talk about growing up uh what kind of uh where did you grow up at and what kind of music did your family listen to well, I, I grew up in New Bedford, Massachusetts, which is a, a city of about 100,000 people right before you get to Cape Cod. Okay. Um, but it's definitely not Cape Cod. It's, it's yeah. an industrial old mill town and um, kind of had its better days before I was uh, before I showed up. And um, it's uh, my dad was a teacher and um, he was a good music fan. He liked a lot of the stuff from the you know the late 60s and early 70s. Yeah. Uh, we, we used to drive to a lot of places on vacation and. I remember listening to, uh, you know, the Beatles or the Eagles, uh, stuff like that, you know, Rolling Stones. Uh, We always had music on in the car. And um, I had um, an aunt who was a big music fan. And when I would go over to her house, she played a lot of oldies. She had, uh, you know, like collections of oldies that she would play from the 50s and 60s. And I listened to a lot of that stuff. And uh, so, yeah, music was always, you know, uh, not live music. We didn't necessarily go to see anybody. But uh, there was always music on in the house. And, and you know, my aunt oh, you know, always had uh, music playing on her. She had one of those big console stereos, you know. The, yeah, exactly. Like a, like a piece of furniture, you know, and it had a turntable in it. And uh, yeah, and I had a, I had another aunt who had the first eight track tape player I ever saw. And she had, uh, you know, Billy Joel and Elton John and stuff like that. And she mm-hmm. had headphones. You know, that was a big thing. She had headphones. And oh, yeah, you know, I would sit there and put on those big you know, can headphones and 
and listen to music. So I was I was blessed to have people in my family who were, you know, uh, up to date on music at the time in the 70s growing up. Did um did you ever go through a phase where you kind of rebelled against the music your family was listening to and you kind of went your own path or did you just keep just added to your repertoire? Well, no, I never I wouldn't say I ever uh you know, so I'm never going to listen to that again, you know, but um, as I got older and, you know, got my license and, you know, figured out a way to get to Boston and Providence, which were pretty easy drives, um, especially once I got into high school, you know, I, my music taste, I guess I like to say evolved. And I, I saw, you know, started, uh, going to see shows live. And I, I spent one summer traveling around New England, watching the clash. And, uh, once I got into Bruce, I, I did a lot of driving around to go see Bruce. And uh, I saw Warren Zevon a few times, stuff like that. So it was uh, I was fortunate to be where I was because between Boston and Providence, you could you could see a fair amount of live good live music. So when did you discover Bruce and what about him spoke to you? Well, I, I had a, a good friend in high school. Uh, his name was Matt. And he had an older brother who was in college when we were in high school. And he was, in our view, a pretty sophisticated music guy. He, he liked Elvis Costello before, you know, Elvis Costello was a big deal. Okay. And he had he had Springsteen records, and I, and I didn't know anything about Springsteen. And uh, I, I would go over to my buddy's house after school, and, and we would listen to, you know, uh, this Bruce Springsteen guy. And, you know, I'm from a, an old city um, where there's not a lot of opportunity. And listening to Bruce you know, talk about, um, you know, wanting to get out of his town and, and strike out on his own and, you know, being born to run and stuff like that, that, you know, that, that kind of spoke to me that, you know, I, 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 I never thought my future was going to be in my hometown. Yeah. So I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what it would be. I was a little worried sometimes that maybe I'd be stuck in my hometown. Um, so that, you know, that resonated with me, those themes. And, um, he, you know, I, I really liked, um, you know, whether it was like Jackson Brown, uh, Warren Zevon, guys who were songwriters, and th- here was Bruce, who's sort of like a-, a songwriter, but with more of an edge, with a a Earth. bigger sound, a guitar-driven sound, and um, yeah, that was something. You know, it, it kind of hit me like a clap of thunder when I first heard it, and um, you know, just kind of at that point, you know, going to get a record was a thing. You know, you would sure, you know, hop on your bike and go get a record. And I can remember when uh, I can remember I, I wasn't uh, I didn't go out and get Born to Run. Or darkness, at the, you know, I was too young at the time, but I, I can remember, uh, you know, going to get the river and, and especially born in the USA. I went to get born in the USA, a cassette of born in the USA. And I was working at a job in the summer. And I remember at my lunch hour, plugging the cassette in, in my car and, and listening to born in the USA for the first time and being late to go back to my job after lunch. Cause I wanted to listen to the whole thing. Yeah. And, um, you know, sitting there thinking, you know, wow, this is, you know, this is the best thing I've ever heard, you know? That's a great story. Um, the you when you are you're starting to enjoy his music and go through this. Um, it had you had a chance to see him live. When did when's the first time you had a chance to see him live? Yeah, well, it wasn't until um, it would have been my junior year of high school. I went to um, Saratoga Springs for the River Tour. December 4th, 1980. And, um, went with, went with one of my friends. We, you know, it was a long drive, but we drove. Um, and, uh, so yeah, saw him live at Saratoga Springs and 
you know, I don't remember, it was a long time ago, but I, sure. you know, I remember just, you know, we were, the Saratoga Performing Arts Center is, is kind of not a, not a stadium. It's more of like an outdoor, you know, kind of venue. And yeah. Um, so it was, um, you know, yeah, there he was, you know, and, and those shows were epic back then, you know, long, you know, three hour sure. shows and, uh, you know, 28, 29 songs, whatever it was. And, yeah. you know, he, you know, it was, so yeah, to hear Born to Run, you know, live and, and Darkness live and, uh, you know, yeah, it was thrilling. And uh, I, I, you know, I, the, the acts I had seen live were always sort of one guy with a small band on a small stage. Right. Um, and here's this, this guy with an enormous band and an enormous crowd. And, uh, you know, this, 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 you know, very orchestral, you know, layered music. And um, yeah, it, boy, it was really, it was, a, you know, it was like a life-changing kind of experience. Yeah, I, I often say there's two kinds of people, right? The people that see Bruce their first time and go, wow, that was long. And two, the ones that go, oh, my goodness, I want to see him every chance I get. Um, I always like to preface this, uh, Pete, that the amount of times you've seen him is not a fair barometer of how big of a fan you are. But for the record, have you counted how many times you've seen him? Oh, yes, I certainly have. Uh, so counting everything, um, Bruce by himself, Bruce with, you know, at others, Bruce at a bar, you know, yeah. different, you know, every time I've seen Bruce sing, it's 163 times. And um, I, I want to say it's 15 states. Okay. And uh, I, I've also been to uh, Ireland to see him too. Oh, that's uh, on my bucket list. I would really yeah, like that. It was really fun. And um, yeah. so I, yeah, I, I, put a lot of miles on uh, about three, three different Nissan centers back in the day, uh, going to see Bruce and, uh, you know, been to California, you know, been a few different places. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, the, I, I imagine you also like the, um, when he's touring and the Red Sox are traveling, you have that, you know, the, the, those schedules next to each other to try to see what you could do. Correct. Yeah. And, and he's, he's actually played at Fenway park a couple times. And, right. um, I, uh, I did not, was not able to go the first time because I was covering the Yankees and it was just an, you know, an important stretch for them and I couldn't go. But when I started covering the Red Sox, he played at Fenway park. And I, I, I literally, they, the, the, they told us, you know, we're going to make tickets available to the media. And I said, okay, that's great. But I didn't trust them how good the tickets would be. Exactly. So I so I literally, I went to the team president of the Red Sox and I said to him, a guy named Sam Kennedy, I said, Sam, I'm, I, I know you, a lot of people have told you what a big Springsteen fan they are. I'm here to tell you, like, I'm the biggest Springsteen fan, you know, and I, you got to get me good seats for these shows, these two shows. And he said, well, you know, uh, I'll see what I can do. So I got a call. They said, come pick up your tickets. And we were uh, both nights right next to the stage. Uh, oh, nice. you, know, about a, you know, you could lean on the stage practically. And, um, and then, yeah, geez, it was, it was, you know, to be at Fenway Park and to see him at Fenway Park, that was great. And, um, the other time that it, it happily coincided with the end of the base, with the baseball season was when the Spectrum in Philadelphia closed. Uh, Bruce played this one final show at the Spectrum. And the Spectrum is across the street from Citizens Bank Ballpark, uh, right. where the Phillies, where the Phillies play. And uh, it was in 2009, it was the NLCS. And, there was a day off in that series. And when you're a baseball writer, when there's a day off, you go to the park and you interview players and you write a story about the next game. And it usually gets done by about five or six o'clock. Well, I didn't have tickets, but 
I wrapped up my work about six o'clock. I literally walked across the street to the Spectrum and just worked, walked around until I was able to buy a ticket, which was a very tough ticket because that was the last time he played at the Spectrum. Sure, yeah. And Philadelphia, and Philadelphia is a huge Springsteen Yes, town. it is. So I ended up behind the stage, right behind Max, right on the the front row of the of sort of the the, the deck, the highest deck. So yeah. I was kind of like right right over Max. The Spectrum was a very compact place. And um, he opened up that night with um, Price You Pay, which is a song I had never heard live and I had always wanted to hear live. Yeah. And I was sitting next to two people I didn't know. And he comes out and he starts doing Price You Pay. And I was like, oh, my God, you know, like, I can't believe he's doing Price You Pay. Yeah. And I, like, thumped the guy next to me on the back. I go, he's doing Price You Pay. And the guy was like, oh, is that, like, a big deal? And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, he hasn't done it since, you know, 1982 yeah. or something. So they looked at me like I was insane. But, yeah, that was a, that was a great night. That's funny. Uh, I've been told by a couple people that that actually is a pretty good vantage point that behind the stage because you know it the was way, great you know yeah. that he often will play to that side but just it's a great yeah. view of seeing the whole band yeah what was i found the most bruce walked behind the stage i think it was especially for out on the street and a couple other things yeah but what was really interesting was watching max yeah because max max has sort of these these i guess kind of like a holster of drumsticks yeah. And he he breaks his drumsticks sort of every once in a while. Wow. And, and you could see him kind of break a drumstick, throw it away, and in one motion, grab another one and come back up and keep playing. And I was like, wow, this is really fascinating to watch. And you saw how hard Max worked. Like, the back yeah. of his shirt was soaked in sweat. And, mm-hmm. you know, when, when Bruce would do a, a ballad or, you know, just an acoustic song, you know, Max was literally like mopping him, mopping down like he was a fighter. Yeah. You know, like it was really something to watch. And it was also kind of cool to see you, you kind of had a view of the backstage area and you could see Kevin Buell with the guitar waiting to run up and, you know, give Bruce a different yeah. guitar and, and then running back with the guitar to get another one. And, you know, so you saw a little bit of the, you know, behind the scenes oh, stuff. The- and uh, yeah, it was, yeah, it was, I, at first I was like, Oh man, I'm behind the stage. But after like five minutes, I'm like, Oh, this is kind of cool. That's a, that's very cool. Um, so that reminded me of two stories. Um, and um, I remember when um, when George Bush was still part owner of the Texas Rangers. Sure. And yeah. Back then, he was the son of a president. He was not. He had not run for governor yet. And we had tickets to see the Rangers. This was, I guess, before the ballpark, because there was, you know, George and these were pretty good seats because my friend had was an attorney and the firm had had season tickets right so we were there and so we were watching George watch the game but we spent like I swear half the game just looking at the secret agent service agent going oh sure yeah. like right yeah. like okay you're gonna go to the ball game that's your job is to go to the ball game but how much do you get to enjoy it because you're still on protective detail, but who really wants to shoot, you know, the president's son, right? So is this really a dangerous gig? <laughs> Everything so similar to watching Max break the um, drumsticks um, gives you a whole nother reason to watch. Yeah. The other thing during your time, did you ever, have you ever met Eric Nadell? From sure. That? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, he is on the radio often. I guess he is a huge music fan and is constantly 
like uh, whenever the Rangers are traveling, he is looking to see what bands are playing at yeah. what gig. So, which I, I, I always thought was just kind of always cool of Eric. So good guy. Well, that's kind of a, a funny thing about baseball writers. There's a lot of us who are sort of my age and grew up Springsteen fans. And there's a, you know, I've gone to, I don't know how many shows with fellow writers. Yeah. And when Bruce played in Florida a few years ago, and it was during spring training. And I swear half the crowd were baseball people, you know, either writers or executives or coaches or, you know, there's yeah. a, a, and, and for like the next two weeks, every time you saw somebody at a game, you're like, Hey, were you at Springsteen at Tampa? They're like, oh yeah, it was great. You know? And so uh, yeah, there's a lot yeah. of, a lot of connections to Bruce and baseball. There are two things that I've seen a lot of, excuse me. One is um, I'm surprised if you grew up in the East coast, there is a 50% chance you discovered Bruce in summer camp. Because when I hear people tell the story, at least half the people growing up in the East Coast, you know, go to some summer camp. And then I had someone saying that if you are a sports writer over a certain age, you are, it is mandatory. You're a Springsteen fan. I mean, yeah, that just, you can, put, yeah. you can, you can, you know, you can book it. Um, so other stories from shows that you want to share with me? Sure. When I, um, we went to Ireland and yeah. um, we, we, we they, he played two nights in Dublin and the, uh, it was sort of, it was an equestrian arena an equestrian venue. And, and they had some, some stands, but mostly it was a field and it was right in the middle of Dublin. So we walked from our hotel to the, you know, to the field. And then we walked back and there was a pub on the way back. And we said, hey, let's stop at this, you know, typical Irish pub and we'll have a drink before we go back to the hotel. And I'm sitting there with my brother-in-law and, you know, we're, we're going over the show, talking about the show. And this fellow next to me says, uh, I, I was covering the Yankees at the time. And this fellow next to me, he says, Hey, are you the guy who covers the Yankees? And I'm like, yeah, like, how do you know that? You know, and he, he recognized me from a couple of TV things I had done. So here I am in Ireland um, at midnight in Dublin at a pub talking about Springsteen with this Yankee fan from New Jersey and uh, the, you know the whole place was full of full of you know Yankees fans and Red Sox fans and Bruce Springsteen fans and you know a lot of people had come over from the states and most of them were from the East Coast. So we had a we had a great time and then the, the pub closed at, a, at you know pretty early. So we were kind of bummed and the, and the barman said, well you know if you're staying at a hotel you can go to your hotel bar and they they stay open until you want to leave. So we all trooped back across the street to our hotel and we ended up closing that that bar until about three o'clock in the morning. That's so. Fun. Uh, yeah, it was fun. Why did you decide Ireland? Um, well, my, my, my brother-in-law is Irish and he was going over there with his family to, to okay. tour around for a little bit. So I went with them. It was during the baseball season. So it was kind of a quick trip and, and went back, went there, saw two shows, flew back the next morning and, and went to work. But, um, yeah. I, boy, I really recommend seeing him in Europe. It's, it's quite an experience that the fans are, you know, there's, there's no talking, there's no walking around. People are laser focused on the show. Everybody knows the lyrics. Everybody knows what song it is. It's not like, I think sometimes, especially if you go to New Jersey or on the East Coast, there's a lot of people who are there sort of for the event and not because they're passionate about Bruce. The boy, the people in Ireland were, were passionate about Bruce. It was, it was a really fun experience. Uh, I, I have heard that. And I, I think I, that is on my bucket list, like I said, to see someone. Um, and I would love, because I've never been to Ireland. And so just to be able to, do some sightseeing and see that. Yeah. Um, the, I think, 
I think that's not just in Jersey because um, my first few times I saw him were all at Dallas shows. And so then when I went to see him somewhere else, like in Nashville or in Cleveland, um, I, I sometimes I think the Dallas crowd can be it's it's similar to cowboy fans right it's a place to go and to be seen right. not necessarily to experience and not there are diehard cowboy fans I, I'm, I'm not talking bad about all of us but there is at least a percentage especially during the 90s with the Aikman you know right. uh, cowboys that it was it was a place to be seen not versus sure. um versus like it, it appears most of the uh, Philadelphia Eagle fans are there just because they live and die by the, right. you know, the, the team. Right. Um, so um, have you, did you get, did you make Broadway? Oh, I did. Yeah. The first, not this last run, the first run. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that was probably my, my greatest Bruce experience. It was, uh, we were very close. We were in the fourth row and um, yeah, it was, it was like uh it was amazing because when the show ended, there were people who were like sort of like emotionally spent just sitting in yes. their seats, like wiped out, you know? And um, yeah, it was, geez, it was, yeah, that was phenomenal. Like I, uh, I, I, we, we had an opportunity to go a second time and I, I didn't want to go because I said it can't be any better than what I just saw. And I didn't want to sort of uh, cloud that memory. So, and plus it was expensive as hell, but I just, yeah. I thought uh, I'm just going to, I'm going to go to that one time and, and I'll never forget it. And you know, that I'm happy to do that. So. Yeah, um, Linda asked me, um, she was able to ha- help me go so I could go once. And she asked, would you go again? And I said, um, the only way I'd go again is like, if we had enough money for you to go with me, like, yeah. so I could see it new through your eyes. I said, if not, I'm fine. And um, I had mixed emotions my hope was that he wouldn't change the show at all the second time. So that way I would like, Oh, I've seen it. I don't need to. But when I heard he changed things up a little bit, I had a little envy of like, I really would like to go, but I knew it's just, don't be greedy. Right. Let's just save my pennies for a 2022 tour. Well, that's what I, that's what I thought. I said, I'd I'd rather, I'd rather save my money. I could probably go to, two shows for the cost of that one. Yes. And I, you know, I think as everybody probably feels, that's going to be the last full band tour. So yeah. I, I, you know, I really want to see as many of those as I can possibly see, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, have it sort of put a bow on the whole thing and, you know, go from there. So, so let's do predictions, Pete. And there are, you know, it's often like sports predictions. There's no way till after the fact, but when he tours, knock on wood, 2022, do you think this will be a more of a like reunion tour where he's doing a, a whole range of songs? Or do you think he will be pretty heavy letter to you, Western stars, or maybe he'll surprise us with another album between now and, you know, whenever he tours? Well, I think, I mean, this is just, you know, my guess. Obviously. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, I think he feels pretty strongly about Letter to You and, and the quality of what's on Letter to You. And there's there's clearly songs when you listen to Letter to You, you can say, well, I can see this opening the, the, the set. I can see this closing the set. Yeah. You know, uh, you, know you can obviously see, like, I'll see you in my dreams ending the show. And, yeah. you know, there's there's different, uh, you know, different songs you can see will be great in concert, will be phenomenal in concert. 
Yeah. Um, I don't know how much of Western stars necessarily will translate to a concert, but there's probably a few songs that, that will. Yeah. And I don't know that. I mean, I think at this point, if you're a, a real, you know, huge Springsteen fan, you're going to go out and watch them tour. You know, do you really need to see born to run? Do you really need to see, you know, hungry heart? Do you need, you know, they, you know, you've seen these all a lot of times. Yeah. And I, I think he, I mean, to me anyway, I think he's, he doesn't want to be a nostalgia act. He wants to be right. a, 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 an ongoing concern that, that, you know, he's got music in him and uh, he's, he's got creative, you know, creativity in him. And a letter to you, I thought was, you know, one of his best records in recent, you know, recent years. And, and you know, maybe going back the last five or six records. And um, so I think, yeah, I don't, I don't think he's going to go out and, and, you know, all right, here we go. Here's, you know, the best five songs off of whatever. He's, I think he's going to, want to show what he's done and, and what yeah. he's capable of. And yeah, there's still going to be, you know, he'll mix in the, you know, the hits and it'll be good. Yeah. But, and you also have to wonder, I mean, those guys are, you know, they're getting older and, and yes. I just wonder, you know, I, are you going to see, you know, 28 song shows or, you know, at some point yeah. he's not going to do all of those songs because he's, you know, yeah, I, I, I think he's going to mix in a, le- a letter to you song instead of saying, okay, now I'm going to play uh Cadillac Ranch again. You know, I think that yeah, that'd be, you know, I think I that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, I was lucky enough. I had bought tickets to see the Eagles Hotel California tour, like before the pandemic. And two years later, um, I finally got to see them Tuesday night. My wife and I went. Um, and it ended up being about a three hour show. Um, they played Hotel California in its entirety. Took right. about a 15, 20 minute break to go change clothes because I guess they didn't want to sit in there. They all dressed up to do Hotel California. Then they came back in jeans and, you know, like flannel shirts. Then they did, um, you know, kind of a greatest hits medley. And then they went off store and then came back and did an encore. But it was roughly 8.05 to about 11.05. And, you know, and Don Henley had said for the, he said, I know things are, crappy out there for the next three hours we're going to try to make it where you aren't worried about that because it's going to be there when you get back so um you know and they're all in there i mean i guess you know vince gill is filling in and uh glenn fry's son is playing with them it sounds like it but most of them are pretty old or older too and so you know i if i can get a three hour if I can get a two hour show from Bruce, I'm happy. But I think if you can stick that two and a half, three, you know, and they maybe they have to do shows every third day versus every other day, maybe we'll do it. But yeah, it is going to be interesting, isn't it? Yeah. And I, I kind of wonder if, you know, you, you're not going to see the, uh, you know, eight nights at Madison Square Garden and yeah. you know, stuff like that. You know, it'll be four nights at Madison Square Garden. Right. So, it'll, you know, and maybe, um, you know, who's to say if it's in the summer or if it's in the winter, you know, like, um, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I always say Eddie Bruce is good Bruce and I, I'm not going to, yeah. you know, I'm not going to sit there and go, wait, why is he playing, you know, my favorite song or whatever. But, yeah. um, you know, yeah, I'm not going to, you know, I, at this point, I'd be happy to see him out on tour. I'd be happy to see, I saw my first live show since the pandemic on Saturday. I saw Jason Isbell and um, it was such a relief sort of to see, you know, to feel live music again. And, I, I, I'm sure I'll feel that way when I sit down to see Bruce. I'll be happy to see Bruce and I'll be happy to see the band and whatever they want to do is, is good with me. So, so I'll put you on the spot and 
it's okay if you don't have an answer, but why do you feel there is a cross section of Jason Isbell and Springsteen fans? Uh, because I, I, I did not get to see Jason when he was here in Dallas and I was very upset. I was, I was yeah. sad. Why do you think there is that cross section of combination? Well, I mean, if you had to say, well, you know, sort of who's, who's a young Bruce Springsteen. Well, I guess it's kind of Jason Isbell because he's, he's first and foremost, he's a songwriter. You know, he's a guy with, with meaningful yeah. lyrics. He's a guy who obviously puts a lot of thought into what he's doing. He doesn't, he doesn't record a song if it's, you know, 75% good. He waits till it's hundred percent good. Yeah. And that's, you know, you get that same impression with Bruce that, you know, Bruce doesn't casually put any song on a record. He, he yeah. sweats the details of every song. And I get that impression with Jason and, you know, Jason's a guy who's been through hard times and, yes, he has. Uh, you know, Br- Bruce has been through some hard times, you know, before he became, you know, Bruce Springsteen. And, yeah. uh, well, you know, it's funny because Jason, Jason's a, a, a huge baseball fan. And um, I met him at Fenway Park uh, a few years ago. He was in town to do a sh- before he kind of popped. Yeah. And I, I spent a little time talking to him about baseball. And we're, we're certainly not friendly, but we, we've corresponded on Twitter a little bit and everything. And I think he's, um, um, I'm trying to think of the way to put it, but like, I, I think he kind of understands that like, like there, there's, there's, there's a sort of a void for a rock and roll band that, that people are waiting to see. That, that, that are good live and, and have meaningful songs. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm not saying he's trying to fill it, but I think he, he understands like that there's a space here that, that he can really occupy. And I saw like he, he, he made a big display about, you know, he wants people to be vaccinated to come to his show. Yes. And I, I think, I don't, I don't remember where it was, but there was a facility that canceled his show because they felt like they, you know, right. and I, when Fox News reported about it, they called them a, a country act. And um, and I, I thought that was kind of funny because he's certainly not a country act. I yeah, mean, exactly. Uh, you know, and uh, so I I I, I think um, I don't know. I I feel I'm not saying anybody. You know, there's nobody who's the hair to Bruce Springsteen. That's impossible. Right. But uh, you know, watching Jason Isbell and what you know his 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 band is really tight and they're you know they're they're, they're guitar driven and um he you know he really you can tell he enjoys playing live. He's not doing it as a as a chore and. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I'd be real comfortable, you know, sort of if, if Bruce winds it down or whatever he might do, you know, I think yeah. going to see Jason would, 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 would fill that, what I, you know, part of what I want to see. You know? it, it, at least scratch part of that itch. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I know that um, Jason was on the Brian Koppelman podcast and he talked about during, during the height of the pandemic saying that how much he was okay financially, but he was just missing playing live. I mean, yeah. he needed that crowd. Um, yeah. And I know also, um, I, I would love to talk to him sometime on the podcast. Um, he's one of my, you know, you have those lists of, you know, the fantasy, you get a magic, you know, a golden ticket, like, okay, you can now have someone you want. Um, but I know that he tweeted sometime where someone had said who's someone that who really helped you out beginning or someone who helped you solid and jason said bruce springsteen and you know everyone's like well what's the rest of the story and he's like "Ah, that's not a story i want to share right now and it's like you know um he seems to be a really good guy and um i 
I have not struggled with it. I have struggled with my weight my whole life, uh, Pete. I've I have family and friends that are that are in recovery, uh, but I his song of it gets easier, you know, but it's never yeah. easy. Really spoke to me because not just about addiction, but about anything you're struggling with and working. Sure. Uh, yeah. Just I, I've loved this latest album. Really good yeah, stuff. Yeah, no, it's, it's terrific. It really is. And yeah. Um, the you know the fact that he's a baseball guy he really you know, he's a committed Atlanta Braves fan he loves the Braves yeah. and um I, I have a buddy who covers the Braves and he's become friendly with Jason and oh how you know, fun. He, said, he said he wants to talk to Jason about music and Jason wants to talk to him about baseball and yeah. um so you know that that kind of you know <laughs> it makes it easy for me to enjoy watching him you know oh yeah that would be the you know um Norm Hitzkus uh here in Dallas a long time you know sports talk show host yeah, sure. um i always think of him when i'm doing an interview um because he said that if you ask nolan ryan about his no hitters you will get a pretty boring less energetic interview but if you ask him about the home runs he hit oh yeah, ryan, yeah. you know ryan will break and, and so i always think about that um, I was lucky enough to have Vinny um, Lopez on the show once. And I, I said, you know, what are the questions he doesn't get asked? Right. So because of that reason, I'm sure you think about that sometimes when you're interviewing players, right? Like, okay, oh, what, yeah. what is this question they get asked all the time? What's a different topic I can cover? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. All the time. And if you're doing the job right, you know, you're not asking the same question anybody else asks. You're coming up with something else. And yeah, I try, I try to do a lot of research on somebody I'm going to talk to and, uh, you know, figure out, you know, Hey, why did, you know, why did you go to this particular college or what did this yeah. particular summer do for you? Or, you know, you had a crappy year in double A, how did you get out of that? You know, yeah. that, that's a lot better than, uh, Hey, talk about your home run, you know, like, yeah. uh, you know, you try to come up with things and you know, that that's a good way to do it. What, when did you know you wanted to start writing? I'm going to change beep, changing subject. When did you know you wanted to start covering sports? Uh, um, it, it was sort of an accident. Um, okay. My, 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 it was, it was completely an accident. Um, my dad was a, a high school guidance counselor and he was, he was, he, he didn't work at my high school. Thank God. He worked at another high school and he was very determined that I was going to make something of myself. And so he made me join the junior achievement club at our high school, which I did not want to join, but he made me join. Okay. He thought, he thought somehow this will lead me to, I don't know what, what he thought I was going to become or something. Right. So I grudgingly, I, I agreed to do this. And the second week I was in, they took us on a tour of our local newspaper in our, in our town. And it was, I thought it was boring. You know, here's the press and here's this and here's that. I'm like, yeah, yeah whatever. And there's the sports editor sitting at his desk who I knew who that was because his picture was in the paper all the time. And I was a high school sophomore and I said, Hey, uh, you know, you're the sports editor, right? He goes, yeah. And, you know, the, the swim team at the high school is undefeated. You guys never write anything about it. And he says, well, the coach never calls in the, the scores. You know, if he calls in the scores, we'll, uh, you know, we'll run something. So I, I went to the coach and I said, Hey, you know, what's going on? He goes, Oh yeah, we called in the score, but they never run them. And I said, well, can I do it? You know, is it okay if I do it? Yeah. If you want to do it, go ahead and do it. So I called in the score and the next day it's in the paper, you know, New Bedford High wins, right? So I called in a couple of more scores and uh, then I said to him, I, I said, hey, the, 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 the sectional championship meet is coming up on uh, Saturday. You know, we, we got a chance to win. And the guy said, uh, well, why don't you uh, call in the results and, and get a quote from the coach? I said, well, what, what, how do you do that? 
And he says, well, just ask him about what happened and you write it down. And you, you know, call us and tell us what he said. Said, okay. So I do that. And there's like this thing in the paper, you know, and the quote from the coach and no byline or anything, but you know, it's a story. And um, so somebody calls me and they they say, Hey, we need your address. And I said, well, what is this about? They said, well, yeah, you know, you worked as a a correspondent for us. You know, you get paid 10 bucks for doing that. Is it 10 bucks? I go, wow. And um, so that led to getting a, a job answering phones and, after I did that for about a year, they, they said, Hey, you want to try to cover a high school football game? And I said, sure. And they, they taught me how to do that. And, uh, you know, yada, 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 here I am. But, uh, yeah, it was completely, I had no intentions of becoming a writer. It just, it just, I thought it was good to get 10 bucks to go to a swim meet. That seemed like a pretty good deal. So, uh, yeah, that's how it all happened. <laughs> that's awesome. And yeah. so it, did you decide to go to college and study journalism? Yeah, well, and yeah, what, uh, after you got point, this taste? Yeah, I was a, pretty bad student not a bad student but i wasn't like an honors student in high school or anything yeah so yeah i went i went to umass and i, I worked for the school paper i became a, a stringer for associated press um i covered all of our games and everything and when i got out of school i i sent resumes all around the northeast trying to find a paper that would hire me and uh i finally found one in upstate new york and you know drove up there and you know started my career so it was uh, a series of, of fortunate events along the way and um, i've been I've been super lucky. I've got to see a lot of cool things. Yeah. Um, what? So you've been able to cover a World Series because, you know, Boston has done fairly decent, uh, right? Yeah, I've covered, I've covered the World Series every year since, um, shoot, I don't know, about 2008, maybe. Okay. And the All-Star Game, I've covered a Super Bowl. I've been to the Olympics once. I've I've done the NCAA. I covered college basketball for a while. I did the final four or five times. Um, yeah, I've done, I've got, been pretty fortunate. I've got to do a lot of different things and uh, it's been, uh, yeah, it's been really fun. There's been a few, you know, interesting moments along the way, but it's, yeah, it's, it's, I've been really lucky to get to do what I do. Is there something you haven't gotten to cover that you want to, that's on your wish list? No, not really. I think I've done, that's nice. um, yeah, all the, you know, I, I, I got, I think it would be cool to see the masters, but I, I know I couldn't write intelligently about golf. So I don't yeah. know if I'd want to do that, but yeah, the Super Bowl was good. Uh, the Olympics, were, I, I'm glad I did one Olympics. I wouldn't want to do another one. Um, it was, you know, insanely, insanely busy. Uh, but yeah, now I'm a, I've been a baseball writer for about 20 years. So, I, you know, I think that's, that's where I'm going to stay. And, um, you know, I've gotten to know a lot of, you know, that's where I'm comfortable. And, yeah. uh, you know, the, the Boston globe is always going to care about the Boston Red Sox. So, yeah. In the, in the media business, that's that's what you want. Yeah, <laughs> you exactly. Want cover, you want to cover something that people care about. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, do did you grow up a a fan of the local New England teams or and Yeah, oh, well, I did. Do you still yeah. have that part of you well, as a fan? And I realize you're a professional, but you know, more more the Patriots than anything else. We 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 had Patriots season tickets when I was a kid. Okay. And I, I grew, I really grew up loving the Patriots and I haven't covered the Patriots, which is good because I don't, I wouldn't be, I'd be terrible at it. Yeah. And um, uh, I, I was a fan of the Red Sox, but when you, when you start covering the sport, you kind of, you know, you, you see what's under the hood Yeah. and, and what, and what's under the hood is not always all that pleasant. So I, people ask me all the time, you know, are you a Red Sox fan? I'm, I said, I'm a fan of not having any rain delays and the game getting over quickly and having something to write about. And yes, if, if that's, if that's a win, that's fine. If that's a loss, that's fine too. I, I, I get yeah. paid. I get paid the same way every time. So mm-hmm. now there, there was one 
one good time that Springsteen and sports writing intersected. Okay, tell me, please. So I, I, when I was working in Westchester, they sent me to cover an LPGA event in New Rochelle, New York. And I was like, really? I got to go cover an LPGA? And they said, oh, yeah, we need somebody to go. You know, we're sending four or five people. Yeah. And one of the things you need to cover is the Pro-Am, which they have on uh, Tuesday, where the, the, the players play with, like, quasi-celebrities from the area. And so I show up to cover this thing thinking, boy, this is going to be just the most dreadful experience. And the Pro-Am is Nancy Lopez, the famous women's golfer. And she's playing with Rush Limbaugh and, believe it or not, Steve Van Zandt. Oh, how fun. Who, who's a, who's lives in what, who at the time lived in Westchester and is a pretty good golfer. Now I can't think of two people of disparate uh, uh, perspectives than Steve Van Zandt and Rush Limbaugh. But yeah, exactly. Here they are with Nancy Lopez and like the president of the local bank. So all of the media watches the first hole and then they leave because they're going to play 17 more. Well, I'm like, hey, this is my chance to talk to Steve Van Zandt. I'm going to follow yeah, them exactly. the, whole, the whole time. So a few people follow him for the second hole. A few people follow him for the third hole. But by the fourth hole, it's only me. Yeah. It's me and the four of them playing golf in their caddies. So around the eighth hole, Steve kind of comes over and he goes, hey, what's going on? I said, well, you know, I'm a sports writer from the local paper. And uh, I got to tell you, I'm a huge fan of, you know, the E Street Band. And he goes, hey, nice to meet you. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we have a little conversation. And then he comes back, you know, a couple holes later and he goes, I can't believe I'm playing golf with this blankety blank guy. Yeah, exactly. You know, we got nothing in common, but, you know, I'm trying to not say anything. And and Steve's wearing a bandana under his under a golf hat. It's the greatest thing. Yeah. And um, so the, you know, one of the cardinal rules of sports writing is, you know, you can't ask for autographs. There's no asking for autographs. You can't ask for autographs. So, um. They, they finish up their round and I, I get a couple comments from Steve and I get a couple comments from Nancy Lopez and Rush Limbaugh. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I, boy, I really want to ask Steve for an autograph, but I, yeah. I can't ask Steve for an autograph, you know? And um, so I, I, I kind of resigned myself to that fact. And um, as I'm kind of walking away, Steve says, Hey, and he, he flips me a golf ball that he signed. Oh, nice. Um, so I, I took that. I wasn't going to give that back. So I, I have, I don't know how many autographed Steve Van Zandt golf balls there are in the world. There can't be too many of them, but you I have a, a Steve Van Zandt autograph. And then later that summer, they they played the um, uh, at Madison Square Garden. Uh, it was, I want to say, the, it wasn't 99. It was that, that early in the, the 2000s when they had that 10-show run in Madison Square Garden. And one night, I was pretty close to the stage, kind of right in front of Steve. And at one point, I was like, Steve, I'm the guy from the golf course. <laughs> and, and he kind of looked at me and he went, hey, I don't know if he actually remembered me. Yeah. I don't think he did. But um, they, I remember they played Lost in the Flood that night. It was the first time they had done that in a long time. And uh, so between waving at Steve and hearing Lost in the Flood, that was a good night. <laughs> um, any chance did you fly down to Jerry World when the NCAA tournament was there in Dallas and Bruce did the free show? No, I, I went. No, I was, I was okay. uh, doing baseball at that point. Yeah, I okay. didn't see that. So yeah, um, yeah, I, I know that was like a that was a big thing. No, I couldn't do that. Yeah, that's 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 fun. That's great. So um, you mentioned, um, you know, "Lost of the Flood." Are there other songs that you're still chasing? And obviously, none of us have heard anything from Western Stars, "A Letter to You." But right. are there songs that 
if we get a tour, you know, next year that is is on your little wish list? You know, there, there really isn't because, you know, the, the, these last few tours where he's done the entire album, you know, we've heard everything on the river. Yeah. You know, we've heard everything on, you know, Born in the USA. We've heard everything on, you know, different records. So it's, there's really, I don't know how much there's left out there that you can say, you know, you, you know, it's never right. been played live or whatever. Right. When I heard, when I heard Price You Pay at the Spectrum, which I talked about before, yeah. um, that was, that was one I really wanted to hear. I, I love that yeah. song. I love, well, what, what side four of the river, which nobody understands yeah. sides anymore, but yeah. And um, when I heard that, I, that was for me, that was like, okay, I checked off what I, you know, what I always wanted to hear. So that was, yeah, yeah. that was it. So are there, what, what, and I, I don't ask favorite songs or, you know, albums, but are there songs or albums that mean an, a special amount to you that, that have a special meaning to you for, and if so, tell me why. Yeah. I, I'm uh, well, the river for sure, because it was the, the first time I really embraced a Bruce record. Um, I, I was old enough to really love, you know, love, love the river. And, um, the, um, yeah, be, you know, beyond that, like, you know, Tunnel of Love is a record that I listen to all the time. You know, if, I, if I'm driving somewhere for a long time, I'll always put on Tunnel of Love. And um, there's, you know, there's different songs that make me think about different people or different experiences and stuff like that. But there's no one, you know, like The River is the record I listen to the most. Um, and seeing the, the you know, the, the River tour was was so great, you know, and then hearing all of those songs, you know, in order and live. And, yeah. and that was just, you know, terrific. Um, but yeah, there's not, you know, some days it's, you know, doubles and dust for a while. Like, you know, it just depends yeah. on, on my mood, you know, and I, I do a lot of driving for work. So I've, I've had my share of, you know, 12 hour rides where I've, I've listened to everything there is to listen to. And, um, I think I have, I don't know how many, you know, 2,500 Bruce songs on my iPhone with, sure. you know, between all the, between all the shows and everything else. And, you know, and it, it's kind of, it's funny now, like how you know, you, you can buy shows for 10 bucks yeah. and they download right on your computer. I can remember going to record stores, you know, and, and it was almost like you were buying drugs. You know, you would walk in and say like, oh, yeah, any new Springsteen in? And the guy would look around and go, oh, we have this. And, yeah. you know, these like those CDs from Italy or wherever. And, uh, you know, you would, those were like 50 bucks. And, you know, you, you the guy made you put it in a bag like you were buying drugs or something. It was funny. But, and now it's like, yeah, you get whatever you want anytime you want. <laughs> well, um, I kind of got into a little bit of a Twitter back and forth with a someone who was he's he is just obsessed with tracks too, and he's he was going on and on about how Bruce had promised something special this year, and he's let us down. And I was like, okay, he's done a podcast with the former president. They're making a book about it. He's yeah. returned to Broadway. Um, you know, we got letter to you at the end of last year. He sang at the inaugural. He sang at the 9-11. He sang um, in the tribute to all the people that died at COVID on national TV. And we're getting an, every month they give us an official release right. bootleg what the F do you want the guy to give you? Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, I look at it like, I mean, back in the day, right. We would wait years for anything. Yes. I mean, anything. Right. That was, you right. know, you'd go 18 months at a time without hearing a single thing from Bruce. Right. And you, you, there'd be speculation. Well, they might be in the studio and we heard they might've yeah. done this. And, you know, 
and then they would put out a record and uh you know you would hear the band say oh well we recorded 20 songs and here are the eight of them that made the yeah. record or whatever you know and that, you know nobody you know that was it right you were happy to get what you got and so i look at it like you know geez this is like the most productive i've ever seen them right you know you, you get it is. all the time like there's no lack of you, know, you used to go you know years at a time without ever hearing a, a peep from the guy yeah and and you know i i respect the idea that he doesn't want to put things out unless he feels they're perfect and for a long time right he didn't want to put anything out until it was you know dead letter a plus yeah. he wasn't you know gonna you know compromise his standards well what he's doing now is completely different from that right he's putting yeah. out you know live stuff that they dig up and they, yeah. they clean it up a little bit and off it goes so yeah i think if you're expecting him to give you anything else i mean you're, you're being unrealistic because i think he's given you you know if, if you're if you're somebody who's followed his career for a long time this is you know a flow of bruce compared to what it used to be i mean it's a it's a raging river compared to what it used to be because there was a time it was drip 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 for a long time so Absolutely. Um, what I always like to preface, what haven't I asked you that I should have, Pete? Um, wait, I, I don't know. You asked me a, a lot. Um, <laughs> I, well, I, you know, I, I, I mean, there's, there's, there's not really like a question, I guess, but this is the, 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 the I guess the one thing that I, I think for me is, Bruce, there's two things I do in my life that I don't think about anything else except what I'm doing at the time. And that's playing blackjack and, and going to Sue Springsteen. Okay. And those are the two, the only two things I can do when I'm not thinking about work. I'm not thinking about where I got to be, or I'm not thinking about a story I could have done better or what am I, what am I going to do the next one? Uh, my family or anything. And when I'm from, when I walk in to see Bruce until I walk out, I have no other thoughts about other than what I'm watching. Okay. And there's nothing else, you know, and, and, my, you know, my job can be fairly stressful at times. And, and, um, that's one thing I can do that, you know, just everything else kind of gets pushed to the side. And, um, I really value that. And every time I see Bruce, I, I, I think, I hope this isn't the last time I see him because, you know, I really, I don't know where I can find this anywhere sure. else. Now I do find it playing $5 blackjack, but that can be expensive after a while. So I don't, absolutely. I don't, yes. I don't, I, I don't want to get my therapy while I'm losing money. You know? Yes. <laughs> but um, it's uh, yeah, I don't know. There's something about seeing him in person that, you know, everything gets, gets, you know, vanishes and uh, I'm, I'm able to just enjoy what I'm seeing. And uh, I, the only, <laughs> I, I went to go see the, a, a Seeger session show in uh, Madison Square Garden. Okay, and that was the old, that was the only time I was like, oh, I'm kind of thinking about other stuff because I'm not crazy about this music. But um, other than that, you know, I've always thought, you know, that was the only time I wasn't enthralled by a Bruce show. You know, you know, I um, I got someone on Facebook after Letter to You came out said, I wish he would stop putting out new material. He's tarnishing his legacy, and I oh, that's and I said you 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 don't like the album fine that's your choice but i don't think there's much this man can do to tarnish his legacy and um i i true i did not even go to the secret sessions because i was not i mean it was yeah. okay but i was like it's not something i enjoyed um uh, but a buddy of mine went and said it was as close to a religious experience he's ever had you know yeah, well, uh, yeah, and, you know, yeah, yeah exactly right and uh 
so I think that's exactly the way it, you know, it, it, it all depends on where it is. Um, I'm the same way. I, I'm, I'm happy with whatever he chooses to give us, whatever he chooses to play. I do have, I've only seen him six times, 16 times. So I do have a list of songs that I would love to see sure. and chase, but it, it, um, the first seven times I saw him, he did not do Thunder Road. Uh, wow. Just luck of the draw. I, my first show was 2002 at the Rising. I went all the way. He had not done Thunder Road. And then um, then he was alternating between doing Dream Baby, Dream Baby Dream or Thunder Road ending the show. And every show I saw, him, he did Thunder Road. He never did Dream Baby Dream, which would be yeah. like, I would have liked to see that for a change of pace. So, but I'm not going to complain about doing that. Um, uh, this has been great. I, I just love the speed. I could talk to you all night. And sure. we, we didn't even get into how bad the Rangers are. And are they ever going to get good again? It just feels like um, it, it broke my heart that they traded Gallo. I know they needed to. And I hope Joey does well for the, uh, the Yankees. But it just, it's, boy, a lot of bad baseball in Arlington. <laughs> a lot of bad <laughs> well, baseball. Well, at least you got, you got Garcia. So that's, you know, he's, he's somebody you can build around maybe. And Yeah, maybe I think, so. I, yeah, I think they have a. They have a plan, and they haven't had a plan for a while. Yes, I and agree. Chris Young, I think, knows what he's doing. Um, I, you know, so I, I think they, they at least, you know, it's going to yeah. take them a little while, but I think they're, they're, they're pointing in the right direction now. Yeah, yeah um, we, we talked about my son and I, you know, that when Walsh was leading them and they went and played, you know, San Francisco, you know, we, we felt like, you know, um american league champions and then the next year when we lost the cardinals we felt like world series losers <laughs> yeah, yeah right, it was right. that you know right. um and we still joke about if we see someone in a st louis jersey like too soon too soon too soon well um, i can tell you maybe this yeah. will make you happy as a rangers fan one yeah. of my favorite guy one of my favorite guys that i've covered yeah over my time is mitch morland when he was with the red sox and mitch yes mitch could not be a nicer guy. He's a, he's as good a guy as you would want him to be. Yeah. And one of my you know one of my favorite guys to cover. And when they, when the Red Sox traded him, I was really bummed. I was like, oh man, like my boy Mitch, you know. Yeah. Uh, he's just a really good dude. So uh, he he always talks with uh, you know, he's always bummed about what happened because you know they were they were so close. They were a pitch away from from winning. You know. And, yeah. Uh, a couple times they were a pitch away. Exactly. You know? So yeah. yeah. So. And yeah, what was funny? Uh, I always loved. Um, I, I'm a big, um, I, I listen to the, the ticket here in Dallas, right? The big sports station here. And uh, one of the morning guys is, was distant cousin to Mitch Moreland. I mean, you know, okay. they both were from the really small town of Mississippi. And he talked to, Gordon talked to his mom and said that through, you know, fourth six cousins i mean it was not close at all but he kind of adopted him because he's like oh he's family and yeah. i just always loved mitch portland i just think yeah i was yeah. glad to see um success when he moved on to someone else but yes he yeah. that's that is a good story and i appreciate you hearing that yeah he's a good guy yeah so you, you can yeah. you can you can live comfortably knowing mitch portland was a good guy <laughs> yeah uh, the other thing and and then i'm going to get to the mary question um my best 
one of my best friends is a Red Sox fan. And so before the pandemic, he and I would always go to a Red Sox um, Rangers game and uh, enjoy that together. And um, he, we had just got Adrian Beltre. And and he was telling everyone around that he says, you guys are going to love this guy. He said, I was so sorry. The Red Sox did not keep him. You are going to love this guy. And then he ended up having this really nice career with the Rangers. So one of the biggest mistakes that Theo Epstein made with the Red Sox was, was, was trading for Adrian Gonzalez and then letting Adrian Beltre go. Yeah. If they had, if they had done the reverse. Yeah. The Red Sox might've won the series a couple more times because Adrian was, on the verge of really putting it together. So. Yeah. And just, he seems to be like a really good guy, not only a great player, but a good guy. He's, um, I, I only covered him that one year. He was in Boston, but I can honestly say every, every player over 162, you, you see him at some point where they don't play hard, you know, like it's, yeah. it's just not their day. That guy, he ran his ass off to first base every time he played hard as he could on the field. He played every game like it was his last game, and and I, I there were times I was like, man, I can't believe he's still got this energy. And yeah, uh, the ma- the manager would come to him and say, hey, we want to give you a day off. And I'm like, no day off. I'm playing tomorrow. You know. And yeah. I I really admired him, and he was a good guy too. He was. Uh, it took him a while to warm up to you, but once he warmed up to you, he was he was very friendly, and um, we were all kind of bummed to see him go. And then when he became so great, we were like, man, boy, the Red Sox really messed yeah. us up. Cause, yeah, exactly. You know, he, he became, he became this tremendous player, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. That's great. All right. Um, if you are a Pete Abram fan and you're listening to this, I hope you've enjoyed the podcast. Um, I end every episode with the Mary question. And what that is, is Jay Armstrong, who is an honors English teacher, uh, just recently retired from the Philadelphia area would in his honors English class every year would have his seniors break down Thunder Road as a poem, look at the lyrics, talk about the imagery that Bruce uses, compare it to other poems uh, like Robert Frost. And then at the end of the two days, he asks the question to his class, does Mary get in the car? Pete, that is your question. Does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? Oh yeah, of course, because tramps like us you know, so yeah, I, I, you know, I think that's the whole, you know, in that, in that genre, he's talking about going somewhere with a girl in most of his songs. Right. So, um, yeah, I think he's, yeah, she definitely gets in the car. Yeah. All right. Very nice. Well, you, did, uh, do you know about the whole Maggie Haberman? Is it waves or sways? Yeah. So uh, I actually sell a t-shirt on my uh, website that says the question isn't whether it sways or waves it's does she get in the car um i do find it interesting pete and i think this is uh, i i someone i can't remember who said that the reaction to bruce springsteen's super bowl commercial the middle the diversity of the the people on the extreme right and the extreme left being critical of him tells you how far away from the middle we are as a country. I don't oh, remember yeah. who said yeah. that, but I thought it was great. But I, I find it a little sad that there are fans that say um, it will be sways till, you know, or like, you know, till my, you take it from my cold dead body, you know, uh, I just, I, I, I can understand having an opinion, but I also think, eh, okay. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, 
Well, the, supposedly, right, it came out that the original lyric was indeed Sways. Right. That somebody said they saw that. Right. But then when you listen to it, it, it certainly sounds like waves. So right. it's sort of, you know, yeah. I mean, I don't know how, if that's anything worth, you know, losing your mind over. But, uh, I mean, it's, uh, I don't know. Yeah, to me, she definitely gets in the car. She's, you know, she's on the porch. She's in the house. And, you know, they're talking about the future. I mean, yeah. There we go. Yeah, she and, didn't just let him drive off. So. And someone else brought up the fact that I'm racing in the street. She talks about she's on her daddy's porch. And they said that's probably the same porch that she was on in Thunder Road, which I thought sure. was a great line. So that's yeah, good. I mean, uh, I mean, every other song is about a girl in a car going somewhere. So I there mean, you I, go. They exactly. must have gone somewhere, I, I would imagine, right? So, there you go. And then yeah. uh, one of my other guests said that Moonlight Motel is the sequel, that they got in the uh. car, they drove all the way to California, <laughs> and then now then he's mourning Mary's passing. And so and that maybe, yeah, maybe, I guess that could be it. Yeah. Yeah, that's neat. Uh, uh, I wonder Kate, how much, like, I wonder how much Bruce sees all of these people trying to interpret, you know, what he's saying and goes, man, I was just writing a song, you know, you <laughs> must find some of this amusing. He has to. <laughs> so um, I remember when Carter was president and um, on Doonesbury, uh, the character Jimmy Thudpicker, I think yeah, is, sure. yeah, yeah, was talking to Bob Dylan and, uh, you know, on Dudesbury. And, you know, this was, you know, Carter was talking about Dylan being the voice of a generation and all this other stuff. And the offline, you know, off camera, there's Jimmy and, and Bob says something like, ah, I was just trying to make it rhyme. No. <laughs> and, and Thud Picker looks at it like now he tells us this <laughs> so yeah. yeah right that's yeah. Bruce like I, I just was trying to make it rhyme you know yeah I, I, I somehow don't see him sitting at his home you know all of these years later going all right this is going to be where should we you know yeah going to the moonlight motel like I, yeah. I don't know I don't yeah <laughs> there is nice all right if someone wants to reach you uh where are you on social media uh as a as a requisite of my job, I am everywhere, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I'm at uh, I'm at Pete Abe on Twitter. I'm at Peter Abraham Globe on Facebook. I'm okay. at uh, Pete Abe on Insta, uh, Pete Abe Globe on Instagram. Okay. Uh, and uh, BostonGlobe.com for all my stories. So uh, there's, okay. if you want to yell at me about my my horrible baseball opinions, there's plenty of places where you can do that. There's no shortage of places to do that. So, are you working on anything now? Or just covering the team? Well, yeah. In fact, well, we had a meeting today to discuss what we're going to do about the playoffs, which it looks like they're going to get the wild card. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm probably working on a story about um, Kyle Schwarber, who has been the unexpected savior of the Red Sox these last few weeks. And, um, you know, kind of uh, put, put a, he's kind of put the team on his back offensively for mm -hmm. a while now. So, I'm, uh, I got to start doing some research into Kyle Schwarber and figure out something good to ask him. So I do love your cover photo on Twitter of it looks like Bruce is in the Red Sox. Um, well, yeah. Yes. And uh, one is, of the Red Sox photographers took that. Yeah. And I said, you got to send me a copy of that. Yeah. It's Bruce sitting in the home dugout next to the bullpen phone. Yeah. And uh, he picked, apparently he picked it up and, uh, um, you know, made, I guess, pretended he was a manager of the team or whatever it was. And, um, when I, when I covered the Mets, uh, Bruce played at Shea stadium Yeah, and, and backstreets, uh, backstreets was doing a, a series of stories about all of the different people who, who came on stage with Bruce during that tour. 
Yeah. And one and one of them was Al Leiter, the uh, the Mets pitcher. Yeah. And then who his son Jack Leiter just signed. I was just going to say we are yeah. hoping good things for him. Yeah. And so so uh, they they reached out to me. Backstreet reached out to me. Say, hey, would you be willing to write something about Al Leiter? You know, appearing with Bruce. I said absolutely. Yeah. And um, so I, I tracked down Al Leiter, who is kind of like a phony Springsteen fan. He didn't know the lyrics to Rosalita. Yeah. He was kind of. Uh, and I was like, so you get to go on stage. You don't even know the damn lyrics to Rosalita. Yeah. And, and I'm watching from the crowd like that's not fair at all. And um, to this day, it's the only freelance piece I've ever done that I didn't get a dime for. And I'm very happy to never have gotten a dime yeah. for it. And um, I keep it in my my knapsack. I have I have it in a plastic sleeve in my scorebook that I've always kept with me because I believe that someday I'm going to run across Bruce and I can have him sign it and I'll, I'm going to have Al Leiter sign it. And my joke with Al Leiter is I'm not letting you sign it until I get Springsteen to sign it first. Because <laughs> I, I don't want, I don't want you taking up too much space for Springsteen. And um, so I, I'm sure I'm never going to see Springsteen to have him sign it. That's never going to happen. But uh, if, if I happen to be, uh, you know, walking through the, uh, you know, Newark airport one day and there he is, I'll, I'll have him sign it. So, but uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's like the happiest thing I've ever written was I got to write a little story for Backstreet's. I was more happy about that than, in, than writing about the world series. <laughs> I, I can imagine that was, I was thrilled when Ken Rosen reached out to me last year and says, Hey, you're coming up on your fifth anniversary. Would you mind if I wrote a, if Backstreet says, okay, if I wrote an article about your podcast, yeah. okay hell yes yeah. you know yeah. so absolutely yeah. Yeah. Uh, well pete uh safe travels um Thanks. and good luck i um i appreciate all your time and hopefully we will get to see each other either when you're down uh if you're next season when you're down in texas reach out to me maybe we can i know you're always busy but maybe we can meet a time for a drink or a meal or something that'd be good uh and please please uh take care of yourselves listeners you go get vaccinated go wear your mask let's let's all be good to each other because that's the only way we're gonna get through this thank you pete thank you listeners thank you we'll talk to you soon goodbye all right Seth Lessing Bruce has a Patreon page where you can offer to donate anything from a dollar a month up to whatever amount you want. Thanks to the wonderful people who support the podcast through Patreon, I'm able to cover the cost of the Zoom recordings and the hosting of the podcast, putting it out, things like that. So thank you to Holly Mac. Steve Rogers, Dale Hosack, Terry Smith, Anna Lynn, Chris Bloom, Mary Thomas, Alex Samolta, Andrew Goddard, Betsy Hodges, Levi Petrie, Stephen Malio. Each of you are my Springsteen siblings. You are my angels, and I appreciate you so much. Thank you for all your support and love. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, said Listening Bruce. The theme 
for Set Lessig Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.